Hi, I'm Chris Bergen, Senior Business Development Manager for Amazon Connect, and this is my third reInvent. I couldn't be more excited to be here with you today. I'm happy to be joined on stage by Kevin Harvey from Axial Healthcare, Franco Lazzarino from Rackspace, and Carrie Boley also from Rackspace. They're going to share some of their experiences with you today, including the challenges their contact centers faced, the solutions they built, and how Amazon Connect's toolset made it possible for them to build solutions specifically to their unique business needs. But before I hand it over to them, I'd like to, to take a few minutes and frame the challenge that many contact centers face and, and why having a customizable contact center um, is critical to being able to transform your business, your customer experience. I'd like you to take a minute and read this. So Jeff said this at his, in his annual letter to shareholders. Um, he continued to say that we didn't ascend from our hunter and gatherer days by being satisfied. He said people have a voracious appetite for a, finding a better way. And yesterday's well quickly becomes today's ordinary. He sees that cycle of improvement happening at a faster rate than ever before. I chose this quote because I think we can all relate to this from our experience as consumers. Think about the experiences and the expectations you have when it comes to receiving packages today. You used to place an order and then just wait for it to arrive. And if you felt like it took too long, you would contact customer support and, um, and ask if the, the order had been shipped. This created a poor experience for customers and it added load to the contact center customer support representatives that had to handle these queries. Now when you place an order, you have multiple shipping options, you get estimated delivery times, you get proactive notifications so you know when it's shipped, when it arrived at the fulfillment center, when it is out for delivery, and when it arrived at your door, oftentimes with a picture sent to your mobile phone. This is a much better customer experience and a lower operational cost for customer support centers handling these contacts with their, rather than with agents. We see this customer empowerment phenomenon happening broadly across everything we do at Amazon, as well as other industries. Though businesses tell us that they have a hard time keeping pace with innovating in their, uh, their customer experience using traditional contact centers. Because of the complexities of integration, lack of APIs, high cost of experimentation, legacy contact centers all too often become like Ron Popeil's Showtime rotisserie. Just set it and forget it. But this leaves a, a static customer experience. What customers told us when we were building Amazon Connect was that they wanted a contact center that was dynamic, allowing them to constantly evolve their customer experience. To do this, builders need to be able to understand what's happening in their contact center and be empowered by the technology to quickly make improvements. For example, when customers call in, they're providing co uh, contact center analysts with a wealth of data about their experiences like what choices the customers made, how easily were they able to navigate the experience, and how quickly they were able to complete their transaction or escalate to an agent. When speaking to an agent, even more data is available through call recording, reporting, and contact attributes. But having access to this data is only half the battle. Contact center operators, business leaders, developers, or analysts need to be able to build a solution quickly, test it, and if successful, iterate on it. While this isn't a new concept, many contact centers trying to do this today aren't able to because they're limited by their technology. So how do you get started doing this? You can start with Amazon Connect. Amazon Connect is a cloud-based contact center that enables contact center transformation. It's a web app that includes everything you need to build and operate a contact center in five minutes. It includes what you may uh, know as ACD or skills-based routing, IVR, um, both the traditional IVR with DTMF menus, um, as well as natural language-based functionality in the IVR, uh, includes call recording and call reporting, historical and real-time. And it's pay for, it's, and you only pay for the minutes that you use when you're handling calls. So your cost of experimentation is extremely low. With an easy drag and drop contact flow editor, you can design every step of your customer experience. And it's an open platform, which is where we're really going to focus the rest of this conversation today. In contact flows, you, have, you can integrate with back-end systems 
using AWS Lambda um, and AWS services like Amazon Lex to add natural language to your customer experience. It's the same technology that powers Alexa. Amazon Connect also has APIs. So a great example, uh, these APIs allow you to perform functions programmatically that you would otherwise do in configuration in the contact center. A great example of this is many contact centers have to scale up for peak seasons, and you may want to add users programmatically triggered adding users um, rather than having to do it through configuration. This saves time and automates the process. And we have a number of APIs that are available, and some of our, our guests here today will talk a little bit more about that. Um, Amazon Connect also allows you to stream data. So you can export reports and stream data using Kinesis. Um, so your data is your data. You have access to be able to send your CTR reports externally. CTRs are contact trace records, all the information that's built about the contact when a call comes in. Um, and you can send that data off to other AWS services. You also have the same, the same ability to do that with services, work with services like Transcribe. So when call recordings hit your Amazon Connect contact center, you can send those, export them directly to services like Transcribe and Comprehend so that you can analyze uh, those recordings for sentiment analysis and key phrases and other things, entities, languages. And then lastly, from an open platform uh, pers uh, perspective, the many people want to be able to create a unique agent experience. So in, our, in Amazon Connect, the way that agents interact with the platform is through a contact control panel. The contact control panel, you'll hear us refer to it as CCP throughout the presentation. That contact control panel allows them to do things like take a call, put a call on hold, change their status, um, their availability. Many customers want to be able to embed that into the application that the agents are using to perform their tasks. Um, or they want to create a unique desktop agent experience. So we provide a JS Streams API that, that, they, that developers can configure and build that experience any way they like. And we're definitely going to show some examples of that today. With Amazon Connect, we see customers getting started small and building, sample and building on the sample contact flows that come when you, when you launch an instance of Amazon Connect. Pretty quickly, they're replicating what they have today. So taking a customer experience that they built in another platform, replicating it in Amazon Connect. Um, and then they're becoming competent with the tools and the tool set that Amazon Connect provides. And they're able to move from replication onto innovating, rethinking that experience. How can I make this experience that we just replicated very quickly better? using different tool sets, using different services, rethinking that experience. Rather than me telling you how, um, how customers have done this, oh, please allow me to bring up Kevin, and he'll tell you how Axial Healthcare innovates with Amazon Connect. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. <clears throat> Hi, um, I'm Kevin Harvey. I'm the VP of Engineering at Axial Healthcare. Um, before uh, I get into how we use Connect, I thought I'd tell you a little bit about who we are and the problem that we're trying to solve. So we've all seen the headlines about the opioid epidemic in the United States, um, but just to give you some numbers, uh, 64,000 Americans died from a drug overdose in 2016, and of those, about two-thirds of those deaths um, included or had a, involved an illicit or prescription opioid. Um, Digging a little bit deeper into healthcare's part of this epidemic, 38% um, uh, of adults um, will use an opioid in a given year, use a prescription opioid in a given year. Of those, 13% will misuse that opioid, and of that percentage, 17% go on to develop opioid use disorder. Um, in terms of dollars, we're talking about uh, over 78 billion in the cost for prescription opioid overdose, abuse, and dependence. So it's a, a public health crisis and a major drain on the, the United States healthcare system. <coughs> Axial Healthcare is a healthcare uh, technology and care solutions company, we, and we focus specifically on pain and opioid care. Uh, we, our, our clients are health, health plans, um, and we take their data and analyze it. We look at things like uh, provider prescribing patterns, uh, pain care management in general, and then patient behavior and patient outcomes. And then we deliver that information um, to our clients and to their partners and to, and to patients 
and a number of technology-enabled uh, solutions. So in addition to that, uh, we supplement um, our technology solution with um, uh, outreach by a team of clinicians uh, focused on, uh, on improving prescribing patterns and reducing waste and abuse. We call this our clinical consult services team. It's made up of licensed clinical pharmacists and engagement specialists. Um, they reach out directly to providers um, via, the tel via telephone and also email communication. Um, they share specific patient risk alerts with those providers and they ensure that providers know how to access all of our tools um, and resources to improve their own uh, treatment and, and, and pain care practices. So uh, the CCS team, uh, the workflow looks something like this. Uh, we prioritize the providers to outreach to um, based on their um, prescribing patterns, the number of patients they have, um, total amount of opioids prescribed. Um, and then our CCS team will review any patient alerts that we have for any of those providers um, prior to making the call. And then they actually, they actually make a telephone call and have a conversation with the provider. Um, and then after that, our team will follow up with uh, patient-specific risk profiles uh, and other materials via email, um, e-fax, um, and we actually um, integrate with EHRs via direct messaging. So what our clients are interested in is um, the receptivity of these calls, the actual content, total time, those, those, such, those, that's our reporting, uh, those are the reporting requirements. That's the information we need to get back about our outreach activities to our clients and to our general analytics team to, for um, program improvement. So my team's job um, is to model uh, this uh, CCS workflow um, to maximize their efficiency. So to do that, we built a system we called uh, Consult. It's a web application, a custom CRM that queues up and records outreach. Um, it provides our CCS team with provider and patient details all in one place, so sort of like a single pane of glass. Um, our, team, our CCS team will enter the details of the encounter there, and then we, we take from that system, uh, we were able to send the data from that system to our analytics team and onto our reporting team eventually to get to our clients. Um, so that's cool, um, but what, what, what it was lacking, um, or one of the deficiencies, was a, it was a separate phone system. So we had this web application to record everything, but we're still using desktop phones. Um, and our, t our team was uh, manually recording the length of the calls, um, writing down all the notes. And these, these, these folks are licensed like pharmacists. These are providers. And the, the more we could take off of their plate, the, the better. So our ultimate goal is to allow the CCS team to focus on that provider-to-provider -provider call to, to eventually improve patient care, um, take away all the tedious data entry, but still capture all the rich data about the conversation for, for, for further analysis. Um, other stuff about our landscape, um, our clients are health plans. Health plans are state-based, and therefore our providers, our, our, our clinicians, are state, have state-based licensures. So um, we're based in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and rather than trying to find an Arizona-licensed pharmacist in um, the greater Nashville area, we hire remotely. Um, so we have a very distributed team. It's becoming more distributed um, as, we, as we add more clients. And then also as a healthcare company, um, compliance and security are paramount. So um, for those reasons, we um, decided to integrate um, a phone system directly into the web application. Um, and Amazon Connect was exactly the right tool to do that. So now our phone system is wherever our users are. Um, those call records are associated directly with all the other data that we, we store in our CRM. Um, the call details, um, including the recordings, are available in the app for our CCS team to do um, their QA work. And then we already have a BA in place with AWS, so from a compliance perspective, we're good to go. To give you just a little bit of an idea of the architecture, uh, agent status as well as the actual telephony take, all take place in consult and then we built the, the CCP that's integrated directly into consult. And I'll show you a little bit about how that, how that works um, in a moment. Um, event calls, um, excuse me, calls and status changes to general events that happen in Connect are distributed via Kinesis Stream 
um, first to S3, where we store all the data and the call recordings. And then a Lambda function uh, triggers off the event to um, send the, to call our backend API, where that call record is then associated with all that other, that all that other data that we, we capture or we generated or got from our clients about these providers and patients. We use the Connect Streams API for, the front end, for front end integration. This is the GitHub project link if you're interested in looking at it. Um, I'll leave it up on the next couple slides. Um, the documentation is great. So, and, and so, so to give you some idea of what this looks like, because this was the, you know, the, the, um, Rackspace is going to show you some really cool backend stuff. Um, we, we did a lot of work on the front end to um, build our CCP into our application. Um, this is the first step in doing that and sticking it into a container div, and then you automatically get the CCP, like it's a, it's a ready-made um, soft phone solution. Then we just hide it uh, with a little bit of CC, uh, CSS. That's a, that's a problem in my uh, field, CCS and CSS. I mess those two up a lot. Um, so then from that point, once you've got it um, connected, you're subscribing to events. Um, you're, the agents here um, are your actual Connect users. Um, they can be online waiting for a call, um, on a call, in after work. Uh, all those states determine whether or not a, a phone call will be routed. So you can, you can control that state with the API, and that will, that will determine whether or not a phone call is routed to a given user that's logged in. Um, and then the contact is the word for the, for the call itself. So that's the, those are the two um, objects we're working with here. And then you use callbacks to um, update the UI or enable further functionality. Um, so that, and there's a lot of, these are just, a, this is just a sample of what's available via the API, but connect is the, is the function that actually places the call. Um, and here's some of the stuff to manage a call, like when you're actually on a call, here are some of the, 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 the functions to, to manage the call, um, conference in another line, that sort of stuff. Okay, so. This is working really well for us. Um, we got a lot of downstream benefits um, from this approach. Number one is we've got one platform that works um, for our entire distributed team. And that's a, that's a big deal for us. Um, our calls are recorded for further analysis, which is in, in a HIPAA compliant way, which um, is really exciting. Um, and like as, as I mentioned earlier, life is easier for our CCS team. Um, the call data comes in um, almost immediately, and it's not uh, dependent on any recon reconciliation with external logs. That was an approach we were looking at with our um, desktop phone system, and it was it just, you know, that's why, that's why I'm standing here now, <laughs> after looking at trying to do that. Um, we're good to go from a compliance perspective, um, and we're future-proofed um, for any of the fun stuff we might want to do in the future with a mobile application um, or any other integrations. So speaking of the future, um, sort of next steps for us. Um, we'll, we're looking to use more of the AWS tools um, that have recently um, come under the BAA. Uh, Amazon Transcribe, uh, which I think uh, Chris mentioned, is a transcription service um, that uh, we'll use to take those audio file recordings and turn them, uh, turn them into uh, text files so that we can then use um, Amazon Comprehend to do some sentiment analysis, um, looking for key topics and phrases that were uh, in conversations and um, sort of measure compliance with, with our best practices. Um, we're really looking forward to taking the data we get from the client about prescribing patterns and looking at the changes that happen over time and seeing what those, what those conversations that our CCS team have with those providers to, to move the needle to, to, to basically reduce the number of opioids that are out, um, out in the wild. So um, that's, that's how we use Connect, and um, we really enjoy it. So um, I'll turn it over to the Rackspace folks. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you so much, Kevin. Um, it's hard to follow someone who is literally saving lives um, <laughs> and, and uh, making such a big impact. Um, but we feel like we've made some pretty great some pretty great impacts um, to our, for our customers. So let me go ahead and give you some background on who we are. 
Rackspace provides managed services across hosted, virtual, and leading cloud platforms. In fact, also for AWS. Um, the one, the, the, the largest value proposition that we hold ourselves to is the fanatical support promise. And um, we, we do that by being available to our customers 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, yes, on Christmas. Um, and that kind of tells you how important our phone system is. We, um, the main work items for us at Rackspace are tickets, chats, and phone calls. Before we started on this journey, uh, the contacts and our transformation journey, we really had no um, view into what was happening in our phone calls. We knew if we met the SLA for picking up a call within two minutes. But after that, we really had no visibility. So to give you a sense of our call center today, uh, we, we receive about 40,000 inbound calls a month from over 100 countries. So truly a global footprint. And then our first, our frontline support, they're actually also global. So that puts um, another, another uh, wrinkle in, in, in making sure that you can transform this experience. Um, I want you to take a note, very similar to Kevin, we don't have agents who are, I don't know, uh, minimum wage. We have, at the beginning, the frontline support, those are our triage folks, and then they pass them, they identify what the issue is, and they pass them to the right secondary support. Again, whether it's a NetSec ticket or issue, Linux, and or Fanatical AWS. So that is our model. Um, and then you'll see we have a legacy acquisition, which I think every enterprise has, um, that very special snowflake that does not have um, the same system uh, that the rest of the team has. So, and their customer base is very different from the rest of our, um, our customer base. They are more, they're smaller. Um, a lot of our customers spend hundreds of thousands of dollars with Rackspace, um, but these are more subscription-based services, and they tend to um, cause some problems, and we'll come back to that later. We actually began our journey and integration about two years ago with our legacy system. And we, we were able to get screen transfers implemented, but not much else. So what did we get in, those, in that one year? Well, we learned 6,000 pages of the manual on how to integrate it. We learned C header files from the 90s. And we only scratched the surface of integration. So that explains how we got on the road to Amazon Connect. Yes, I, I like, like to say we were literally building the track and in front of the train and all of a sudden we looked over and Amazon was building a rocket and it was going to be much easier for us to implement it. So you'll see here um, our MVP, very similar to Kevin, was integrating that CCP into our uh, proprietary CRM, which is called Encore. So um, we, we did that. It actually, we had some planning, but really it only took us uh, I'm, still, I'm stealing your thunder. That's okay. So four months of planning and two weeks of development, we were able to embed the CCP into Encore. We were able to get a single sign-on experience via SAML, and our screen transfers were implemented. So we were up and running. Yes, and um, the frontline support, those are the most standard uh, kind of cookie-cutter configurations. It makes it easy to roll out. I will say, um, and I was glad to hear Intuit and Hilton had the same problems. You will not believe the change management um, that you have to deal with from taking away a desk phone. These desk phones have, are, this is how they've done it. They don't understand why it's ringing on the screen and the microphone isn't working, so heads up. Just so you guys know, it's my little tip. Make sure you have a, a really good plan around change management and that you, we actually ended up moving up with the frontline rackers so that if they could see us, um, it felt like they weren't going to be just complaining constantly. So that was a really, really key part of that. Carrie mentioned we had a very heterogeneous deployment environment. We have to support Windows, Macintosh, and all 31 flavors of Linux. We have multiple versions of all the browsers. As Carrie mentioned before, we have some rackers who take a very low call volume, but they're very important. Wearing headsets all day was a non-starter for them. 
Um, and just in general, being a support racker is a very documentation intensive job. Rackers tend to have many, many tabs open. Which tab is the soft phone in? Did I just close the tab with the soft phone? And then the other thing we experienced was a lot of rackers have to authenticate with AWS systems. That SAML session would break the SAML session of the soft phone embedded into Encore. So we turned to Electron.js. It's a native application platform that works on all three operating systems. It's locked down to a specific version of Chrome internally, and then Node.js enables the desktop integration. We actually noticed some of our rackers started making native versions of the CCP themselves. So if you can't beat them, we joined them. Okay. So from that, we were able to keep our screen transfers. And then we were able to implement stuff like autofocus on ring, call logs, auxiliary quick connects, user preferences, external ringers, and auto offline status. So this is definitely where we probably at the beginning of this journey did not um, have enough time baked in for this kind of change management and different pushback that we got from, from our, we call them rackers. Um, and so, again, to Franco's point, all of a sudden we saw somebody one day in the Slack channel say, check out my Electron app, I wrapped it. Um, and of course it didn't work in all of the browsers, but again, sometimes you just have to join them. So everything going forward, we based our decisions off of data. And I'd like to thank Mark Rudkowski from the AWS ProServe team for setting us in the right direction. From Amazon Connect via CloudWatch and Kinesis Streams, we were able to take the contact trace records, the agent streams, and CloudWatch logs, and via Lambda functions, ingest those into an Elasticsearch cluster. Yeah, I will, I will also say data is a powerful thing, but um, be careful because if your teams have been siloed and they've been using a legacy application that you have to have special knowledge of how to pull reports, the data is a little overwhelming. Make sure you identify up front what data is critical to your business that you want to make decisions on. Because coming from a place where we had a legacy phone system, now we had every piece of data available for them. They got a little overwhelmed and they weren't really sure what exact metrics um, they wanted. And so it became kind of, we want all of them. Well, th that's not helpful. So that's another, another tip. So uh, Franco and I are both IT um, personnel, work in, in the IT group at Rackspace. We were not um, telecom savvy when we came into this project. Um, a lot of trying to figure out, as Franco mentioned, a legacy um, application that will not be named um, and it's 6,000 page manual. We really didn't have good vis visibility into the processes that were going on with the telecom team. And one of the pieces that we just missed was blacklists where you identify different annies and you, um, you say, okay, this, this annie is calling in and it's a telecom, tele sorry, telemarketer um, or somebody else who is unscrupulous. And I think somewhere I wrote solicitors. And so for those of you from the UK, we have no problem with lawyers calling. Um, it's just a, term, a phrase. So um, they got really worried that we weren't going to let the lawyers call in. But um, so, sorry. Oh, so using uh, Connect APIs, we were able to build a mechanism in the call flow to check an incoming Annie against the known bad numbers that we took from our legacy system and then block those. Within Connect, we had the ability to provide instructions on the caller how to restore numbers into good standing. So a little bit about this architecture. We have Amazon Connect and it simply checks the Lambda which checks uh, DynamoDB which has our corpus of annies that are known to be bad. And how that's managed is via a Slack bot, via API gateway to Lambda, those numbers go in the corpus. So this was uh, really wonderful because bringing this process closer to the business, prior to this, they would send a ServiceNow ticket. It would, you know, once enough people had actually said that there was an issue with this particular number, that would get, would get handled, and then it would go into the black box of the legacy system, um, never to be heard from again. And we also had no way to know who was being identified as, as a blacklisted number. So um, we actually had a situation that came up where you know, we're a B2B customer. One of, I think it was actually a property, the number was very similar and there was some um, telemarketing going on and we, we felt like we, we identified them and we passed them on, uh, you know, blacklisted them. 
well, it was very easy for us to, to put in a message that said, you are blacklisted. If you believe this is an, uh, you know, an error, please contact our fraud department, which we'd never had before. And it turned out this person, Oracle, we did want them to eventually call us <laughs> for business-related uh, business issues. So, um, and then the other piece is this is an audit log, which I love because I don't have to build a UI. So you can see all of the numbers that are blacklisted. You can check. You can see how many times they're coming in. Um, it's, it's really very helpful. So the next problem that we were eager to tackle was that legacy acquisition um, group that I told you about earlier. We received about 20% of our total volume for that team. Now that team has its own 800 numbers and we had kicked off several um, campaigns to try and get them to call that number. But when you're on a customer, you're a customer. So we're not gonna tell them, sorry, you should be calling a different 800 number. Um, we, you know, again, listen identify them as this legacy acquisition customer, and then pass them on. But there's no value there, literally nothing, because the next group that gets it in that legacy acquisition, we don't have visibility, we can't verify them, we can't help them. So it really just was a waste of time, and it was frustrating customers, because they would say, well, you've already verified it, find me, and why don't we know next time? So what we did was we took historical transfers from the contact trace records and via Lambda we saved those in the Dynamo database. And the idea is that if a customer called in enough with the same ANI and was continuously transferred over to the legacy acquisition, we would just auto-route them over there. And in order to prime this corpus of data, we were able to take our data from our legacy system and put it in a table right next to it. And we checked both those tables for a larger data set to get us moving. In addition, all the policies for any future destinations for deflection we would have and the thresholds at which they would be transferred are maintained in a policy table. So when a call comes in, it checks the Lambda for routing and then it gets a thumbs up or thumbs down whether or not it should be transferred. So to verify our hypothesis that this was the right strategy, we put it in a dry run mode where we would check and we would monitor it, but it would not actually deflect a call over to the acquisition. So when the business was satisfied with the results, we flipped the switch and then live calls were being deflected. At first, we started with a really high threshold. We didn't want these customers, you know, some of them have both services. So we started very um, conservatively. And that was kind of the great part about the dry run, being able to see it, measure it, explain to the business, don't worry, they're not gonna go into a black hole. We have a safety net. So um, to date, we have a deflection rate now of 10%. So we went from 20% that we're going to the legacy um, group now to 10%, and as every day, the, the data improves and we get more, uh, more data on these customers. So, um, and the next piece for us is analyzing that next deflection target. So we have a couple ideas. So a few, just a few weeks after we enabled this deflection, um, I came into the office and we have lights uh, that kind of go through whether or not something is wrong, there was an outage. The outage was actually on the legacy system. So call time spiked, um, and all these customers were in queue holding. But really, again, the frontline support group, they couldn't give any information. They literally just would answer the phone and pass them on. And so uh, all of a sudden I heard the call flow operator, Franco, and uh, one of the business leaders on a, on a Zoom call. So the analyst, the frontline support leader, myself, we got on a call to figure out what we we're going to do. Fifteen minutes later, we deployed a solution that would allow customers to opt in to be identified as a legacy acquisition customer. They're immediately transferred over, and they were played a prompt that showed them the status of the outage that was going on. And what we what we found was those callers they were satisfied once they understood that there was an outage and we were aware of it. They actually dropped off. I'm trying to remember what was it. It's like 80% within a minute. 80% off. gave them the website. Please check back here. And over the next um, 48 hours, we deflected 1,800 calls. And we had had a very similar incident, uh, like uh, almost a year to date prior. And that incident costed uh, cost a uh, rack space just um, very close to hundreds of thousands of dollars because we weren't actually meeting our core customer SLAs. Um, and then we also were paying overtime. So. By the time we came in, they had already started telling people, 
you're working this weekend, you're working this weekend, you're working this weekend, we're buying lunch. That's the standard call center. You know, you get a free lunch and then you, you work your overtime. Um, once the, I mean, you can just see the queue size has dropped, all the time's dropped. They're like, oh, we don't need you to work overtime. <laughs> and then, of course, all the call center reps, we're still gonna get our pizza though, right? <laughs> so we did get them their pizza, but that was the only cost associated with this specific uh, downtime, so. And if you look at the chart, right around 10.15, it dropped down to almost nothing. So all the customers that weren't waiting for the legacy acquisition were no longer having those giant queue sizes or wait times. And you know, an added bonus to this is that our deflection corpus size grew significantly. So we had lemons and lemonade with this instance. So what is next for us with Connect? Um, we have a lot of things that we are looking to add. Personal agent queues, any moment. Quali said. Um, I saw them actually working on it uh, yesterday. Transcriptions, we actually already have implemented transcriptions. Our next step is gonna be comprehend, which gives you the sentiment, the language, the entities, key phrases, and departments, I think. That's it, you got it all. All right, okay. Um, we are looking at uh, call trace enrichment. So today, again, we're B2B, it's difficult, you have 500 users on a single account, how do you match those? It's a really challenging problem as opposed to uh, B2C where you can identify, oh, there's three numbers associated with this person's bank account and that's when they call in and we can identify them. So um, we, are, we are looking at enhancing our call trace meta records um, and then we need a call conference integration with Zoom. So we're working on that as well. Sorry, and post call survey which we're also waiting on, so. Gary, you want to talk a little bit about your lessons learned? Sure, um, again, I think just highlighting that change is hard for anyone. Taking away this phone, we actually had in the CCP, they have a, an option that you can send it to a desk phone, which we told them not to use, but they liked their desk phones, so they were selecting that, having it go to their desk phones, and then now, lost to connect because it's on the legacy system and so figuring out pieces like that that was um, huge I think the preparation on lessons learned we did use Amazon Pro services like we gave a shout out they were very helpful as far uh, as far as helping us establish what did our, our data uh, stack want to look like do you want to sure talk about that? so besides the elk stack they set us up with a dashboard inside of Kibana to monitor stuff that the MCP currently, or at the time, did not have. Um, they set us up with examples on how to get transcribe and comprehend off the ground. And what else did they set us up with? Uh, just best practices on where to have, you know, which region. And right, continuous best practice advice on just managing the contact center in general. Right. Cloud metrics to monitor and set thresholds to yeah, it would be really nice if we used, did not use a homegrown CRM um, because there's a Salesforce integration. Um, I heard the ServiceNow integration is pretty slick, um, but we have our homegrown integration, so that's going to, we're, we're trying to balance how much we, time we want to put into customizing the now native soft phone app. So um, I think that is something we've learned on our journey. How much are we willing to do to make it an easy transition for our contacts and our agents? Um, to, and then getting the value out of it. Um, service limits. Everyone, check your service limit. They're everywhere in Amazon. Um, and you don't know them until something pops up, and um, so check your service limits twice, maybe three times. Or you'll find out the hard way. Yeah. Um, also, it isn't typical. It's not a typical deployment, so it, it was hard for us to try to put it, we, we had to put a governance model in to say, all right, if you are going to change a call flow, what does that look like? Because it's not code. Um, so you need to have a governance model. Who can do it? Who needs to approve it? Is the business aware? Um, because we did have, um, he's amazing, our call flow operations analyst. He attended a boot camp and someone said this feature is available and he said, and they said, the Amazon person said, yeah, you can go ahead, flip it on, flipped it on, we had an outage. So we, we realized and now we have standard and we've named it after him. So, <laughs> poor, poor guy, poor guy. So, um, and then also, I, I think sitting with them 
It was huge. Huge. Yeah, so we actually moved our desks from our IT department and we went and sat up upstairs and we created a Slack bot and any, any problems that they had, you can you know, post them there and then it's kind of crowdsourced because, oh, I have Fedora 29 and I, you know, I also saw that problem. And you know, so it's a little bit of crowdsource and then, but it is you know, hard when you say, well, we're not gonna actually do that particular thing that you'd like maybe someday. Yeah, and when you said with them, one of the things you notice with the desk phone, when a call is dropped, it's dropped and you move on with life. Same with your cell phone. Call is dropped and you call it a drop call and it's no big deal. With the CCP, you get a pretty detailed message and, and it turns red and that scares people. Yep. And one of the big lessons learned is to be specific handling your user feedback, figure out what time it happened, the frequency it happened, categorize them in the right categories before you start to try to solve it. Otherwise, it seems like the reputation of the project gets out of hand. And it's not easy, change is not easy. So really, we had to walk around and tell them what was the benefit of this. We, you know, we're going to have transcriptions. When somebody yells at you or is not a, a great customer and violates that relationship, we will have it actually now, which we've never had before. Um, and you know, some, some of our secondary rackers sometimes are not so eager to get on a phone call with a customer. And we also now have that fat feedback. And so really showing the agents the value and why we're doing it for the business is key. And we would have, you know, taco talks and, because we're in San Antonio, taco talks and ice cream socials trying to get people on board. So, yeah, I think those are our. So um, I'd like to bring Kevin up to talk a little bit about his lessons learned for a few minutes. Uh, no, I don't think I'll need that. Um, but sort of uh, s some of the things that, that, that they've said really rang true uh, for me in our experience uh, building this. Number one is that I am, I am not a telecom person, right? I'm an engineer. I'm a Python guy. <laughs> and um, our, you know, our, our, we have front-end and back-end engineers um, that are not telecom people at Axial Healthcare. And all of a sudden, we've got a HIPAA-compliant um, phone system integrated into a web application that we built. So now I am a telecom person, I guess. Um, that's, that's, that's pretty spectacular. Uh, this, the second thing is, and another important point they brought up, is how the, is the, the transition from the, the, from the desk phone for these folks. Um, we didn't, our, our team was not sort of ingrained um, in a call center mentality because our pharmacists used to work in pharmacies and now they're making telephone calls. So what, it wasn't as much, but still the, the notion that, hey, your computer is now your phone um, is, a, is, a big, is a big change. Um, the other thing you guys, oh, I would say um, we, when we came to this project, we learned a lot of new things. We were not only um, learning Connect, we were also learning uh, Kinesis Streams for the first time. Get your head around that. That's, that's the guts to making all the, the, the pieces fit together. So be prepared to learn how that interacts with Lambda and S3. And um, if, if you're integrating with a backend application, you know, streams are your friend. It, it enables a lot of other really fun stuff too. Um, but that was, that was a, that was a hur hurdle for us. Um, yeah, that's all I could think of, really, so. Great. Oh, we did, we did. No, they were already using headsets with their desktop phones. Um, and then, so we were able just to use them directly with the, the, lap, the machines, I believe. And it, yeah. We had to upgrade all of our headsets. Mm -hmm. So that was just a lesson learned. The noise, the, the Kodak, right, which is used on Connect, makes everything sound great. Well, you pick up all the noise around you. So you better make sure you had noise canceling headsets. Um, and then, you know, we, we eventually. Had got, got the budget for that and got that approved, but that definitely for us was, you know, they kept saying, the quality is terrible. I'm going, it's not terrible. It's, it's OPEX, we're, we're seeing this. And then we realized it's because they're picking up so much background noise uh, because of, of, and we didn't have the noise canceling headsets, so we had to invest in that. And when you're A-Bing these things, listen to the call recordings too. The call recordings are a wealth of information that are kind of third party to both the person on the calling in and the agent. How often do you guys run experiments with Amazon Connect? Constantly. So we just we actually just deployed queued callbacks so that when our for a couple of our secondary lines they are 
um, they're, just, they're long hold times to get to a network security. They're you know very uh, expensive. So you're waiting online. Do you you know we were able to roll out? If you would like a callback, please enter your number here. And I'm trying to think, Franco, how long it would take us to implement cookie callback? Technically, it was. It was there. Configuring it to the way the business wanted was, sure. was more of a social organizational problem on making sure all the leaders were aligned on how the system works. Yeah. And for everybody in the room, maybe you can just explain what cube callbacks are in I, case they don't understand. Yeah, so if you've ever been in, in, on hold and it's, uh, you're waiting and the, there's an automated attendant that comes on and says, hello, uh, would you like us to save your place in line? Um, please enter your phone number and we will return your call. So. This is, this is a big deal when you have wait times of up to 30 minutes at some points. Um, so the ability to have your number entered, save your place in line, and then get the call back as opposed to holding um, for that entire time really is something that our customers, most customers expect. Some of the things the leaders were worried about is keeping track of how many of these queued callbacks were out there in the wild and in their queues. And it turns out in the MCP, there's a column called queued, they're reflected there, and then also scheduled will tell you how many of them are actual, of the queued, how many are scheduled for a callback. But every single group asked about that, where can we find out that information? This is also a good example of where queued callbacks um, provide a better experience for the customer, but also reduce the cost, the operational cost to the contact center. When you think of a new model with Amazon Connect, where you're not paying license fees per agents or managers. Um, you're just paying for the consumption of the amount of minutes that you're handling on calls. You have two elements to that. You have the connect per minute cost as well as the telephony cost. So if somebody's called in on an 800 number, you have a cost of that 800 number. If they're going to sit in queue for a period of time, you're collecting that cost for the entire duration that they're in queue. If you offer them a call back, now you're making an outbound call at a much lower rate and you've reduced your operational cost of your contact center. Sure. I would also say, uh, use, if you're an account manager or whoever you contact, they can give you a really good breakdown on what you're going to end up spending outside of the telecom fees. How many land does, like, so what are, what are you doing? So it's a really good model. You can figure it out. I think we've never gone over what we budgeted uh, from the start and, you know, lambda, 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 how many? Yeah, everything's four, lambdas. Four of the call. So, yeah, about that. About that, yeah. So, we um, that, and then we, we have never had call recording before, um, and I don't think that we're a small call center. I don't think it makes sense to move to a QM model um, specifically, but being able to kind of not invest in a QM system and then go straight to Comprehend was really compelling for our group because we've never had insight into what customers are saying. Um, and so now we don't actually have to have that other third party group who's going to take the recordings, parse through them, have a QM manager. We're gonna, and that's what I think I'm most excited for for our next, um, next release. Carrie, you spoke about, um, about the, the budget and cost. Yep. Well, is there any lessons learned there going from a fixed operating model to a, or a cost model to a variable per minute model? Not for us, because, and I actually, Mark Rankowski had a, he did a great job, um, the ProServe, there was a group yesterday, and he actually has kind of said, what is it that's driving you to make this decision to go to Connect? Is it cost? Is it enhancing your experience? Um, there's one more, no, I can't remember. Um, but if you use that model and you figure out what is it, why are you going here, it will help you. For us, it really was not about particularly cost savings, it was more about enhancing that experience because our calls can last a long time and we don't have, um, always have resolution. So really getting insight into what's going on with these very expensive agents who are handling technical problems gives us just the data that we've never had and we can start looking at it and saying, all right, this is what they're doing. Um, could we have given them a self-service option, right? So the telecom, all the data that we're now getting is really helping us um, decide where, you know, should somebody be calling in to find out a status of a ticket? Could we use Connect to just pull back the status and say, you know, you are within your SLA and we anticipate it will be uh, finished in three hours. Now, of course, if there are really high spend customer, we just 
get them through and let them tell us about it. We're happy to oblige them, so. Which is nice with Connect, so we can start seeing that and we can start knowing, ah, this is a high tier customer. They're very valuable to us. We did, and that's the other thing, is we did our experiments very much based on the 800 numbers. So we have different 800 numbers for um, different business units, and we know that those customers, you know, their margins are not as high. And so it was really great to be able to kind of put experiments in on the lower ones first without jeopardizing your Fortune 500 customers. One of the things you mentioned there, you were talking about the two things that Mark shared with you. Um, yes. the, I don't know if the third one was speed, but I'm curious. Yes, it was speed. Okay. <laughs> so I'm um, curious, the, you mentioned in your presentation that, the, that there was a, with your current system, very large learning curve. There's a big manual. Um, I'm sure that contributes to speed, but once you actually started, and maybe this is a better question for Franco, but once you actually started building, did you notice a speed difference there as well? Yeah, the, the actual speed of the coding was not the bottleneck. Um, I, we, we were all fairly new to AWS, and I think reading the documentation, once we got used to how Amazon Docs are organized, we were able to increase our speed. And then the other thing, Carrie mentioned how cost wasn't really a factor for us, but the way the pricing is set up, it's almost like money is the new memory. So traditionally, we're concerned with how much memory stuff takes or how the runtime, but now we kind of have this third resource of, of money, which helps us plan this stuff and maybe avoid expensive things. Kevin, is there anything you'd like to talk about as far as experimenting or the operating cost model or speed? Well, the, what, what you guys mentioned just a moment ago, but I wanted to come back to um, that callback notion because um, in healthcare, you know, HIPAA stuff, we're, we're, we're always concerned with what piece of information gets stored somewhere. And that was our biggest reason for coming to Connect is because it's, it's under the business associates agreement. But that, that callback, so if, you, if I call my doctor's office, I don't have a voicemail option. And that's because they don't know what I'm gonna say on that voicemail. They don't want to me to store, they, they don't wanna give me, they don't want to be responsible necessarily for re receiving any of that personal identifiable, identifiable information and personal healthcare information. Um, so a, a callback is, is, a, is a big win for um, people like us because if I can say, hey, you know, I know you're trying to call me, and here, here's, I'll, I'll call you back automatically. You, you, though we're under the BAA with um, everything that's stored um, with Amazon Connect, just reducing that, that surface area for any possible compliance problem by you know, not recording when we don't have to, um, done, particularly not when we're, when we're not in control of the conversation, um, is a big deal. One of, it's an interesting point on, on that. So not only is there kind of out of the box the ability to do queue callbacks, so callbacks from queue, but you can also leverage the outbound API to do scheduled callbacks um, if you wanted to present that option on your web page or something like that. Yeah. Very cool. And actually schedule when the, when the callback would occur. So I think uh, we're probably at the end here, so I'd, I'd like to thank everybody. Thank you, uh, Kevin and um, Carrie and, and Franco, thank you. Um, Thank you all for participating today. I hope you found this educational. Please remember to fill out the surveys, your presentation surveys. And if you have any questions, um, we'll hang around towards the end of this and uh, take your questions offline. Thank you very much.